I enjoyed the last series, but sometimes people say it gets too long on the same topic. But there were varying topics, and so hopefully you listened. And uh, if you missed it, you went back because you don't only want to master three out of the Ten Commandments. I think you should get all ten of them down. And I want to do the same. And so C.S. Lewis said this. He said, every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not in a sense his own already. That is a powerful statement to kick off this series. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Say, that's me. The whole world and its people, say, that's me, belong to him. We want to kick off a series, and I entitled this simply, The Biblical Concept of Stewardship. Jesus, we love you, and we are thankful that we are able to, oh, I'd love to hear some people join me in prayer, that, Lord God, that your presence and power is already here. It's been here before we got here, and so we don't need to ask you to come and join us. You're here, God, but we, we have offered worship and praise unto you, and, Lord, we don't need to pray that your word's anointed. That's already taken care of, too, but, Lord, I want to be anointed, and I want our hearts and our minds to be anointed so that we can receive what it is that you want, because this, Wednesday night services like this are where strong, solid Christians are built. Lord, I thank you for every single person who's made it a point to be in this place on this night. God, bless them. Bless their families for being here in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, the minute you mentioned stewardship, you know, they actually were talking to me today uh, about what to promote, and I said, just promote the groundbreaking service. Because if I promote this, some of y'all might have stayed home. Because in people's minds, stewardship means, oh, they're collecting an offering. That's a part of stewardship. But that is, if that is your view of stewardship, stewardship means offerings. You've missed it. It's so much bigger than that. Uh, and so, this is one of the most important and foundational concepts in the entire Word of God. And so, stewardship is a mindset, like C.S. Lewis just described so capably, where we understand everything is the Lord's, okay? I got up in the Lord's bed. I live in the Lord's house. I'm getting ready to move into another one of the Lord's houses. I drive the Lord's car. I'm preaching from the Lord's pulpit. We're in the Lord's church. We're getting ready to build another one of the Lord's churches. Some of you are chewing gum in God's church, okay? I mean, like, you got, you got the Lord's cell phone. Some of you are looking on the Lord's Facebook page, okay? I mean, like, this is what I'm saying. Everything is the Lord's. You better check your Facebook feed because that might not be the Lord's, okay? But where we understand everything is God's and everything in our possession is actually in God's possession. Time, talent, and treasure. It all belongs to God. Therefore, I want to honor God with all three. We are commanded to be stewards of the resources that he has entrusted to us. And so from the creation story to the ministry of Christ... 
all the way to today, even the Bible is replete with instructions for us to pursue God-ordained principles of fruitfulness and multiplication. We fulfill these commands primarily by stewarding with excellence every good and perfect gift he gives us. James tells us, 117, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Everything good is from him. The time that I have is from him. Any talent that he's given me, even if you say, well, mine are pretty limited, it's from him. The treasure or resources he has provided, it's from him. It's all from him. John 3, 27, John replied and said, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. So as much as we think we earn something tomorrow, we talked about this Sunday, oh, I got that coming, I've earned that, I worked hard for it. Every good gift is from him, and no one can receive. I'm going to miss this so much on Sunday. I'm going to go to point to a scripture, and there's going to be nothing there. And so make sure that you either bring your Bibles or bring your phone that has a Bible on it. And when you're looking on your phone, make sure you're looking at the Bible, okay? Just want to clarify that. But you'll want that for Sunday because I'm going to preach from, I just finished my message today. I'm excited. I'm going to preach from a lot of scripture even though we're outside. Just because we're outside doesn't mean I'm going to leave the Bible at home. So like we talked about last Sunday, we sometimes forget. And so we earn this. I did this. But he says every good thing, no one can receive anything except for God be the one who give it. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. God is faithful, is he not? So if I'm going to be Christ-like, I have to be faithful too because I want to reflect Christ in every facet and walk of my life. And so our Heavenly Father places many gifts in the care of his children. When we uh, are found to be trustworthy with those gifts, what you will find, and you probably already have, is when you are faithful and trustworthy with the gift he gives you, he often will give you more. And so stewards in ancient times, I know for us, we don't really talk about that. If you go on the street and you're like, I'm looking for a steward, people might think like airline or what are you, what are you talking about? But steward in ancient times was given authority to manage the affairs of a homeowner. And so somebody would say, you're in charge of this. I am, I am the one who owns this, but you're the one overseeing it. And so you're the one that's in charge of this, even though I am the owner of it. And so Joseph in the Old Testament, he's a prime example of a trusted steward. At first, he was a lowly slave, but he proved himself over and over again to be trustworthy. And he was elevated to a position of stewardship, meaning, hey, you're going to oversee the affairs of someone else. And Genesis 39 records this. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. There he is. We were just singing about him. He is with us. The Lord was with Joseph, just like he's with you. And so he, and, and I wonder if Joseph ever thought, is he really with me? Because look at where I'm at. I'm in slavery. I'm in a prison. I, I, I've got betrayed by my brothers. Certainly, in humanity, we will often question whether he's with us. But the truth is, he promised, I am always with you. And so the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. The Lord was with him, so 
He did not succeed. There, we hear, Scripture tells us he was a, he was a well-built guy, good-looking guy. He did not succeed because of that. God was with him, so he succeeded. When God is with you like he is, you will find that you will succeed. And so Potiphar noticed this, and he succeeded, and he served in the home of the Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed, and he realized that the Lord was with Joseph. And that's awesome because the world should notice we're blessed. The world should notice God's favor on our lives. He's looking going, it seems like everything that guy is touching is blessed. I want him on my team. And so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household. That's a steward and everything he owned. Who owned it? Potiphar. Who was the steward? Joseph. And so from that day, Joseph was put in charge and his master's household and property. And the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. Wow, that's pretty amazing when you're not only blessed, but anybody who comes in contact. I wonder how many of the businesses that you are working for right now, God's blessing is upon that business. The owner doesn't even know it. The boss, the general manager doesn't even know it. The CEO doesn't even know it. But that business is blessed, I'm telling you, because there is a child of God who is faithful in, in finances, faithful in attendance, faithful in work, faithful in prayer, faithful in giving, faithful in fasting, that this is a person that is faithful, and God isn't just blessing the person, but God is blessing the business because of that person. Because you could say, yeah, yeah, that's a reach. Really? Because I'm reading. This is a Potiphar's house. This is a leader in Egypt who, Egypt was not a godly nation. They served false gods. There's no doubt in my mind Potiphar served all kinds of false gods. Probably worshiped the Nile. But he was blessed because there was a man of God in his house that was blessed. All his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph, notice it didn't say he started there. Notice he said, oh, he was a, his personal attendant. But now more and more blessing keeps happening. Organization, he's going, wow. So now, he says, I'm giving you complete administrative responsibility over everything I own. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. <laughs> he never stopped worrying about that. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Man, that'd be a nice thing to have on your tombstone, huh? A handsome, well-built man. As a steward, it was his assignment to not be wasteful, but to exercise wisdom in decision-making and administration of the family's estate. Joseph cared for Potiphar's possessions as though they were his own, and so it does not mean he did not care. He cared very much, but he knew this is not mine. This is, I am placed in this position to oversee these affairs and these possessions, but I know they don't actually belong to me. That's why he actually ran from Potiphar's wife, because he knew that I'm blessed with all this stuff. I'm overseeing this, but it's not mine. She was, as a young, good-looking, well-built guy, she obviously was attracted to him. You know the story. She pursued him. She tried, to, she tried to seduce him. He got out of there, left his coat behind. She falsely accuses him. But he knew 
that this is not mine. This house isn't mine. The possessions is not mine. The, his wife is not mine. And so he had a full understanding of what stewardship was. I am called to manage someone else's affairs. We have to get that because sometimes we say, it's my house, my car, my pocketbook, my paycheck, and I'll see if I'll give God any of these things. No, the house you live in is the Lord's. And so if I say, I'm not having people in my house for a small group, how dare you? Why wouldn't you? This is God's house. I'm not picking people up for church. That's God's car. I don't have time to do that. It's God's time. Maybe did I strike a nerve there? It got real quiet. <laughs> the concept of stewardship did not originate in ancient Egypt. It actually existed way back at the time of creation. Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle, over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them and God blessed them. Whatever God, God, when God's involved in our lives, there's blessings. We just define blessings different because the, the, the prison was a blessing for Joseph to elevate him where God wanted him to be. But when you're in the prison, it doesn't feel like a blessing. But when you remind yourself, wait, hold on, wait, God is with me. He's not only with me when I'm elevated in a good place and things are going well. I'm in this prison. Things are struggling. People are betraying me. But wait a second. My feelings are lying to me right now. They're saying God lost track of me. God doesn't care about me, that I'm alone. But I have to remind myself, I have to encourage myself in the Lord, I have to get in the word and go, let me get back to the promises of God that remind me that in spite of my feeling, he is still with me. This isn't in my notes, okay? I want you to know, God is speaking to someone, maybe here in person or online. You're feeling lonely, you're feeling discouraged, you're feeling like you're, you're, you're trying to Find your way to a light switch in a dark room. God is here to remind you he is with you. You are not alone. You are not lonely. He is with you. And so he says he entrusts humankind to be fruitful. He says, God blessed them, said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. See, Andrew can go fishing because he has dominion over the fish of the sea. And he said, amen, hallelujah. God entrusted humankind to be fruitful and multiply, to be blessed, to manage. He called us to manage the resources of the earth. That's essentially what he said there. I've given you this beautiful earth, blessed you with the things around you. But they're my things. But I'm calling you to be a steward and manage the resources that I've placed in your care. It's, it's a, stewardship is a God-ordained idea that can never be separated from those of us who bear his likeness or are filled with his spirit. You are filled with the spirit of God. You are a steward. You are called to be a steward. Every one of us is a steward. It's just a matter of if you're a bad steward or a good one. You and I don't own these things. They belong to God. 
and Jesus reinforced this responsibility with many parables. He said in Matthew 6, 19, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and dust, or I'm sorry, rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, they're the desires of your heart will also be. So Jesus taught the concept of stewardship so frequently, it became one of the central themes in New Testament. And stewardship involves our family. We're stewards of our family. It involves ministry, finances, church, community, nation. Everything in our lives, we, any, anything he's blessed us with, he's placed in our lives, we are called to be a steward of that. Now, the New Testament word for stewardship is where we get our word, it's a Greek word, New Testament Greek word for stewardship is where we get the word economy. And every election cycle, that's something we always hear about, what that person's going to do to change the economy. And typically, if it's a Democrat in office and then a Democratic candidate, they're just going to do whatever that person did except for better. If it's Republican in office and a Democrat comes, well, then, of course, then everything is terrible and it needs to completely change and vice versa. If a Democrat's in office, the Republicans in the next election cycle are going to come and say what they did was absolutely horrible and now I'm going to change it and completely revamp everything. But it seems like it's always a lot of empty promises. But we all talk about the economy, the economy. We want the economy to be good. And I might not get many amens out of you, but I know I'll get one for this. We all want gas prices to be lower. I've only, I still only got a couple amens. Weird. All right. Well, for those of you that want gas prices to continue to rise, you can say amen later. <laughs> Pretty soon, I'm going to be looking into those electric cars that I plug into a light socket. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> broadly understood, economics has to do not only with money or taxes or business, but with the management of resources. That includes all our resources, time, talent, and treasure. It's not just about the economy alone. Biblical stewardship will permeate every aspect of our lives. So when you heard the series is on stewardship, oh man, he wants a special offering. I'm coming back. How long do you say this is? Four weeks. He's got me this week. I'll see you in five. Like, don't do that. Okay? God instructed Adam and Eve to work and to keep the garden. Today, we can apply this pattern of biblical stewardship to our understanding that it encompasses more than monetary offerings. It involves all of our working and all of our keeping. This includes how we work our secular job, how we serve in ministry, how we maintain relationships, how we conduct business, dictate our schedules, involve ourselves in our community, communicate with others in the way we treat them. We're a steward of all of these things. And he's given all of us time, talent, and treasure. So what you have to ask yourself, like I have to ask myself, is am I being a good steward? Because I've been given time, I've been given talent, I've been given treasure. And I've been blessed with many things. 
but are these things, am I managing these things well, or have I slipped into the trap of, it's my time, I'm busy, it's my money, ain't getting another dollar, it's my, and I, and I have stopped going, how can I be the steward of, when, when, when something comes up, God, I have this opportunity, and not every invitation is an obligation. I used to view it that way, but as I've gotten older and I have kids and I have family, and I understand that not there, I have started saying no to some things that I think some would say, that was a really great opportunity, but I have to go, now God, based on my schedule, what is it that you want me to do? What, where is the most effective use of my time? I refuse to travel, even if it's ministry opportunity. I refuse to be gone multiple weeks and, and travel many, many times throughout the year and be away from A, my family, who's my first ministry, and B, the church that God has called me to pastor. And so for me, I say, okay, we will allow ourselves to preach in different locations four weekends a year, and that's it. There's nothing more than that. Because I know that, okay, time not that I think I'm great and you all need me, but for me, it's important to me that I'm here and investing and loving people and being a, a steady presence. And so I, I have to look and go, okay, I want to be a good steward in every area of my life. And so Jesus, he, he tells the parable of talents in the New Testament. In Matthew 25, 14, you may know this story. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. What would they be called there? Stewards. Hey, I entrusted you, not your money. I entrusted you, my money. Okay? Think right now about how much money is in your checkbook. Okay? Now I want us all to stand up and tell you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Some of you are like smiling and others are like, <laughs> like he just ruined the message. But think about that. Guess how much of that is really yours? Not really any. That's all God's. He's called me to work and to keep just like he did Adam and Eve. So I work and I keep. And I receive blessing and monetary blessing. But I know that when God lays it on my heart, if he lays it on my heart to give something, and I don't give and go, yeah, but I worked hard for that. Then guess what? He starts to go, hmm, not sure if I can give you any more because I can't really trust you. Everything supernatural is based on walking in faith. I said this a few weeks ago when we had that incredible Sunday morning service. If you want to be used in spiritual gifts, anybody who has ever been used in spiritual gifts, especially proclamation gifts like tongues, interpretation of tongues, things like that, even word of wisdom, word of knowledge, miracles, signs, wonders, all these things, you are not, God does not send you a text message saying, number one, I'm going to lay this on your heart. Number two, you're going to walk forward. Number three, here's the transcript of everything I'm going to say. I've talked to many people who bring an interpretation of tongues, and I've done it myself. You will receive often, everybody it's different, 
You can talk to different people, from, but from a number of people I've spoken to, including my experience, God gives you about the first five words. And when you're, I'm, I'll never forget one of the times I did it. There, we were in a conference in the church I grew up. There's probably 16, 1,600 people probably there. And the preacher's wrapping up, and God, like, lays this on my heart. This happened another time. The very first, I was just becoming an elected official in Missouri District, and I go to my first meeting with all of these great men and women of God. And this first session wraps up, and God lays it on my heart to bring an interpretation of tongues. I'm like, oh, no. You're like, you're a pastor. You should be beyond that. I'm still like, oh, no. I'm like, this is my first meeting. I am not trying to be that person. Like, no. And so then I'm just kind of like, all right. There was no chance. So then he's going to wrap up. I'm like, see, God, I would have done it. (laughs) And uh, all of a sudden, out of clear blue, Sister Park district superintendent's wife starts speaking in tongues. Room goes silent. I'm like, I'm like, all right, Lord, if there's like five seconds of silence, I'll go ahead. I was trying to count slow too. Or no, fast, fast. One, two, three, four. And so um, I had about five words. Talk about intimidating. You step out and you're like, all right, Lord. And he gave me a powerful word. A powerful word for the district. And you talk to people like that and supernatural. It requires a stepping out. That Sunday when I said, if you want the Holy Ghost, begin to raise your hands right now. A person that's never been filled with the Spirit of God has no clue what's going to happen. They're like, "I, I just know I want God. But when you respond... Watch what God does. We're going to start sharing campaign stories again, this second campaign. I already have seven miraculous testimonies where people go, uh, again? Or maybe it's your first. You know, I found that the people who gave the second time actually found it easier. The first time's harder because God still has to prove himself. Once he proved himself the first time around, second time givers gave it a lot easier. Because we're like, oh, yeah, I've I've been here. No problem. I, my wife and I doubled what we gave the first time. And I was more scared the first time than the second time. Okay? But I have to step out and go financially, spiritual gifts, infilling of the spirit. God's calling you into ministry. And you're going, I've never taught Sunday school. I've never sang before. I've never done guest relations. I don't know what they expect of me up in technology. But when I want God to use me, God does not use people that sit on the pews and say, I'm just going to play it safe and stay here. Anything supernatural transpires because someone says, I don't know what's going to happen. But I feel like you're drawing me. I feel like you're calling me to step out. And give a word of wisdom, a tongues interpretation, to start a new ministry, to give of finances, to go to the altar, to lay hands on the sick. I feel like you're calling me to do this, and I don't really know where there's going to take me. And I feel like there's some really, uh, there's a high chance of failure. But here's what I'm going to do, God. 
I'm going to step out there, and I'm going to at least give you a chance to do what only you can do. Because at the end of the day, this is not about me. It's about you, Egypt, and God, and plagues. It was not Moses against Pharaoh. It was the God of Israel against the gods of Egypt. And guess who wins? But you don't think that when Moses walked in and said, watch this staff, and he throws it on the ground, that he was like, oh, God, have a word. Oh, Lord Jesus, have a word. And he says, watch you this day, and puts his rod in the, the water and says, you think he's supposed to turn the blood, turn the blood, turn the blood, turn the blood, turn the blood? We just read the story like, yeah, man, that's a powerful man of God. But you got to think through like, honey, I'm going to Egypt. What are you doing today? Yeah, I think there's going to be frogs everywhere, but I, I, you're, there's going to be what? Moses. It's what God said. We're going to give him a chance. I, frogs? Yep. Guess what? Because each thing that I give God the chance to do, and he does it successfully, it prepares me, hear me, for when I get to the Red Sea. Because without calling down frogs and seeing God provide frogs, I'm not ready to get to the Red Sea and go, stand still and watch the salvation of the Lord. And the Red Sea parts and the, and the waters come down. We walk through on dry ground and it comes down in the Egyptian army. I'm not ready for that. If step one, I'm not willing first to just walk back to Egypt and talk to Pharaoh. God, why would you call me back to Egypt not my job to figure out why, but this is what you led me to do, so I'm going to do it. Because each step, as we, as we, God says give $5, and we give $5. God says give $500, we give $500. God says give $50,000, we give $50,000. God says give $500,000, and we give five hundred. Some of you laughing at me, but when you live this way, hear me when I say this. I feel the power and presence of God. If you walk in this, there will be people in here giving $500,000 to a cause at some point in your life. But you do not get there by saying, he told me to give $5, but I've worked hard for this $5. It's my $5. That's not the way I get there. When I start to say, God, you've laid this on my heart, fine. I don't know how you're going to replace this $500 because that's a lot. I'm not, I don't know, five, fifty thousand. I don't know how you're going to replace this. But when you allow me, you've called me to do this, and I know it's not mine anyway. I'm a steward of your resources, so I'm going to give this and just know that you have a plan at some point. And when God sees this, he goes, all right, now you've, I can trust you with that. Now let me give you something else because since I can trust you, I'm preparing you for something down the road that you're not ready for today. But if you'll walk with me, Joseph, you're not ready to be second in charge to Pharaoh yet. First, you got to be betrayed by your brothers. First, you're going to have to go in a pit. First, you're going to have to be sold by Ishmaelites. Then you're going to have to go to Potiphar. Then you're going to have to go to a prison again. Because why? Because I've called you to be a steward of something much more than Jacob's house or a coat of many colors. I've called you to be a steward over a nation who's going to prepare and, and make a way for my people to have, have provision. 
But in order to get you to that place, I have to get you ready along the way. And so does God test us? Yes. Does God prepare us? Yes. But the way that we get into the places of the miraculous, supernatural, is understanding that everything I am, time, talent, treasure, it is completely and totally in his hands. And it's not about me. It's not about my failure, my ego, my pride, my ministry. It's about us going, I am a a spirit-filled child of the king who desperately wants him to have his way in my life. And if that requires me going to the prison, if it requires me giving $50,000, whatever it is, I am open to it because I want to see him use me. notes so king of heaven he says he entrusted his money to them while he's gone he gave five bags of silver to one two bags of silver to another one bag of silver to the last one dividing it in proportion to their abilities he never gives you more than you're capable of handling at that time he then left on his trip Servant who had five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. Servant who had two earned two more. Servant who had one, he uh, dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned. Gave him, hey, give me an account of give me an account of how you used the talent I gave you. You understand where he's going with this parable. And so the servant said, well, you know, you gave me five, I invested, got five more. Next one says, it gave me two, I invested, got two more. And uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the small amount, so now I'm going to give you more. This is a biblical principle. If we can't be faithful in small amounts, before you're just complaining about all the problems you have and all the stuff God's doing and, and how you don't have enough and you're always struggling, before you do that, Look at your record of what you've done with the small things he's given you. Because a lot of people want $500. But when he gave 50, that person wasn't content with 45. They kept 50. And so God says, how can I bless you with more when you're not a good steward with what I gave you? On a smaller scale. And so the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops. You didn't plant gathering crops. You didn't cultivate. I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Here's your money back. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I had harvested crops, I didn't plant and gathered, I didn't gather crops, I didn't cultivate why didn't you deposit my money in a bank? At least I could have got interest and get, get some interest on it. And he ordered, take the money from this servant, give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Biblical concept. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what they, little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God gave all of them money, all of them. Interesting, the KJV calls it talents. Not everyone is given the same things. Your talent even is different than my talent. You make a different amount of money than I do. But we are all given the same amount of hours 
to prioritize every single day and every single week. And when God gives us something, notice in the story, the master never demanded a certain level of return for what he gave them. But he expected them to do something with what he gave them. So now, if you say, well, I've been teaching Bible studies, and he's been teaching Bible studies, and he's already had 11 people come to church. I can't even get through my Bible study. The lady keeps canceling on me, and I must not be a very good teacher. And so I'm looking at him, and he's got all these people coming, and I have no, it's not about. He, master never says, I gave you five talents, I expect five more. He says, I gave you something. At the very least, I gave you one. You, you could have at least put it in a bank. It does it from the, the sound of the story. It does not sound like that servant is going to weeping and gnashing of teeth in outer darkness. If that person put one talent in the bank, it sounds like that's not happening. That only happened because someone said, you gave me something and I have done nothing with it. God has given all of us a talent. God's given all of us time. God's given all of us treasure. Stewardship is understanding what I have is the Lord's. I am a manager. I am not the owner. And so I refuse to try to take Potiphar's wife. She's not mine. I refuse to keep the tithe. It's not mine. Because a steward says, I'm here to manage what he, what he has. And so as I close tonight, this is the intro to this series. You and I have all been given time, talent, and treasure. Are you only using it to further your own agenda? Are you only using it to further your own agenda? Are you wasting it? Are you sitting on it? Are you burying it? God's given all of us a lot. We'll talk about that Sunday. And he's called us each to be a steward. And I truly believe it is his desire to give us more. This is not prosperity doctrine. and I'm just saying we're all going to be millionaires. Not the case. Do I think God wants to bless us financially? Absolutely. But I'm talking about God wants to give us more people to disciple. But if we're not discipling the ones we have, why is he going to give us more? God wants to bless us in resources, but if we're not taking care of the resources he's given us, why is he going to give us more? So, you see what I'm saying here? That if we're saying, God, I want to be used by you, but then the ministries we're involved in, we're saying, I'm stepping out of them, I don't have time, I'm removing myself from schedules. God's like, you don't really want to be used by me because you're selfish with your time. So don't, don't tell me you want to be used by me when all the ways I'm trying to use you, you're just backing out of anyway. See what I'm saying? And so God is looking at us going, if you will be a wise steward with your time, your talent, your treasure, knowing it's not yours to begin with. It's mine, and it's a blessing and a gift from me to you. I want to give you more. We see that. All were given a measure, five, two, one. And to the ones that said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something with what he gave me. He says, to that guy, I'm going to give him what he has. 
I'm going to give you more because I see what you did with what I already gave you. That's the kind of steward that I want to be in 2022. I want to be faithful. I want to be humble. I want to know, God, this ain't about me. It never was. But I promise you, whatever you bless me with, it's yours. You gave me a beautiful home to move in here. That thing is open. We're going to have small groups, Bible studies, church functions. You gave me a, tr- a car. I'll pick people up. I'll go teach Bible studies. You gave me finance. I'm going to give to the campaign. I'm gonna, to me, this is all blessing. And I know many of you feel that exact same way. This is not glorifying myself. But that's the way I want to live my life. Because I, wanna, I, I just want to be like, God, everything, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And as you stand to your feet, I just want to read this C.S. Lewis quote one more time as we find a place to pray. Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. With that mindset, as stewards of Jesus Christ, why don't we begin to find a place to pray before we leave tonight? Lord, I thank you even for the time you've given us at an altar right now. I want to be a steward of my time right now. I have time right now to approach an altar. I have time right now to carve out and say, I'm going to get myself into the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm not going to let anything else get in my way right now because right now, I'm going to be a good steward of my time and the, and the best place for me to be right now is on my knees in front of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Oh God, let my life, every facet of who and what I am, let it be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, I want to be a good steward. I want to be a good steward, Lord.